Hey, well, good morning, Stone Creek. Hope you guys had a great, great new year. Anybody ready to get back into a routine? Right, a couple of us, yeah, not many. Some of you, man, I, I'm looking forward to a routine. Um, I'm looking forward to a better eating routine, right? I don't like to say I overate. I like to say I've been carb loading for three weeks like you, but uh, I'm looking forward to a routine. And, uh, man, today as we look, we're just going to take a little look back at last year, but also uh, just talk about this coming year and what we believe God is up to. You know, if, if for those of us who were here a little bit um, over the last year, you know that 2018 was anything but routine for Stone Creek. You know that we launched last uh, January the 18th, I mean 14th, 1-14-18 with a new day, that we believed that God wanted to do some new stuff. And right, so, man, we had a lot of things that were superficial. We had a new logo. We had new uh, building colors. We changed kids' environments. We, we changed a lot of things physically. But more than anything, we believe God gave us a heart transplant. We believe that God was up to something new in the life of our church, that God wanted to do a new thing in our community, but also in those that we reach around the world. And so, man, we just launched into this new day, and we believe God gave us a heart transplant. And we, we centered it around four statements. Man, that first statement was to elevate the name of Jesus. Elevate the name of Jesus. Now, some of you who haven't been here very long, you notice when you come in the lobby, there's these really big letters that say, Elevate the name of Jesus up there. Now, some of you that have been coming for a while, you don't see them anymore, right? But when we first put them in there, it was a big deal. I remember when they went up, I'm like, I didn't know they were going to be that big. Like, that's large. That's a little scary. But we believe that life centers around Jesus. That as you look throughout history, what can tend to happen in different cultures is that different baggage gets attached to Jesus. People get a misconception. They don't see him clearly. And so we understand that for many of you, not all of you, but many of you who have decided to follow Jesus, your life's different, isn't it? Your life's different, amen? Your life's different, like you, you see things differently, you operate differently, you think differently. And so we wanted to be able to just paint this picture of who Jesus is, that he's central. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation, the only one who was resurrected from the dead to stay alive. And so we just wanted to center on that, believing that if we could do that and just take everything else and, and cast it aside and major on elevating the name of Jesus, that if we could do that, we'd see lives change, and we have. We have seen so much happen. And so after that being our vision statement, we had three values. I mean, we had to fight for relationship, courageously go, and to give my best. You know, as we unpack fight for relationship, we know that one of the things that Jesus taught was to love your neighbor. That people will know that you're his disciples if you love one another. And so we wanted to fight for relationship. You know, we live in a culture that's fractured, don't we? Well, like, like we don't live in the same place our parents live. As a matter of fact, how many of you guys, you traveled for Christmas to see family? Like a lot of you. How many of you people, you had, you had family travel to see you and stay with you for the holidays? How many of you were glad when they left? Raise two hands. <laughs> you know, we just, we live in a fractured society. We have a lot of superficial connection, but no community. And what people are looking for, what we found is they're looking for more than a show. They're looking for some people they can rub elbows with, people who are going through the same experiences they're going through, people they can ask questions, people they can depend on, people they can lean into, people that they can grow from. And so we wanted to learn how to fight for relationship. We, it, relationships can be difficult. Relationships can take effort, whether it's in your family or whether it's with your friends or even your relationship with God. And so we, we set out to fight for relationship, and we define this as intentional life together to know and follow Jesus. 
that we want everybody in a relationship with someone else that, that we can be intentional about so we can understand what would it look like if I did follow Jesus? Man, what would my, how would my life be different? So that was the first value that we kind of wrapped our minds around. You know, the second one that we wrapped our, uh, we wrapped our uh, identity around was this idea of um, courageously going. Courageously going. Now, now, when you think of courageously going, one of the things you may think of, you may think of like X Games for Christians. You know, you may think danger. You may think, okay, if I'm going to courageously go uh, for the kingdom, then I'm going to have to jump out of an airplane over Syria, land in a refugee camp with a backpack full of Bibles to smuggle them in. Like I've got to do something super, super duper dangerous. But the truth is to courageously go just means every day, everywhere on mission. That God has given me people I'm going to come in contact with. God's given me opportunities to help other people. And I just need to live with these lenses that every day, everywhere, on mission. It looks a little like this. I was at uh, our city serve event uh, at Christmas with uh, just serving it down in Clarkston. And I met a, a family who had just begun to attend uh, Stone Creek. And they had just moved here from out of town. And while she was at work, one of her coworkers said, hey, you should, you should check out Stone Creek. And so she came. And just found a home here, found a place that when they were navigating, moving, man, when they were coming from a different city where they didn't know people, they found a place that was an anchor for their soul and an anchor for their family here. That's what it means to courageously go, just every day, everywhere on mission. And then, and then finally, we kind of landed on give my best. Give my best, which just means give Jesus everything and everything. Now, we're a culture that likes the best, don't we? Like, let's be honest. We like the best. We have the best shopping. We have the best schools. We have the best preacher. <laughs> jokes, jokes. Man, we, we like the best. We want our, for those of us who are parents, we want them to give their best in everything that they do. We, we like, and we like to give our best. We know that that's what we're about. There's something in us that gives our best, not to make excellence an idol, but that we know that, man, Jesus said this. He says, whatever you do in word or do, you do all for the glory of God. And so we want to be able to give our best. We want to give our best in attitude. We want to give our best when it comes to our finances. We want to give our best when it comes to time, when it comes to serving. We just want to, we want to be a culture that gives our best no matter what. And it doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean we're not going to fumble. It doesn't mean we're not going to hit some speed bumps. But it does mean we're going to at least do what we can to give our best. We want to give our best at home. We want to give our best at work. And we want to give our best when it comes to the kingdom of God. So these are the three values that we kind of wrapped everything around. And it has been an amazing year, hadn't it? Like, it's been an amazing year. We launched the year with a new day, rolling out these statements, talking through them, teaching on them, getting people connected. And then we moved into a city serve event that we hosted in the spring. And then we hosted another one down in Clarkston. And we had over 600 people over the last uh, year to, just to be able to volunteer their time, to be able to go and help in other areas around, the, around, the, around our city, just to help where needs should, should get met. You know, we had over, um, we had over 1,300 kids at our kids' camp this last year. You may not know, but we have the best adventure camp in the uh, city, in the world. Yeah, that's it, in the world. Uh, <laughs> right here. And, uh, man, we, and we're going to expand and have more capacity just for us to be able to connect with kids, but also so we can serve their families. Because people in our community are looking for this connection, looking for an opportunity to understand what it means to follow Jesus so that we can serve him, we can be a light in our community through our kids' camp. We had over we have over 400 people. Check this out. We have over 400 people that volunteer here every week to make this place happen. Like, if you're a volunteer, thank you. 
whether it's on Wednesday night or whether it's on Sunday, we have, and we have the greatest group of volunteers. You're sitting next, if you're a guest there, you're sitting next to some of the greatest volunteers that you'll ever meet. The people who are for you and want to see you have a great, great experience here. Um, man, we, we rolled into uh, What If. Some of you did that with us where we had this, uh, an opportunity for to everybody in our church to go through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. One of the things that we found, one of the number one stress-producing uh, things in people's lives has been finances. And so we offered this. How many of you guys went through Financial Peace? Yeah, come on, right? Now, some of you, some of you, you know that during it, you said, I hate Dave Ramsey, didn't you? You said that. But right now, after Christmas is over, you're like, I love Dave Ramsey. Can I send him a gift, right? Because you got through Christmas and your financial picture is different. And many people found peace. Many marriages were pulled into... Uh, healthy places. We had, we had so many opportunities over the year to, to expand into our counseling, in areas of counseling where people would come who had heartache and heartbreak, who had needs. We were able to step into opportunities to help them and serve them. And I think maybe one of my favorite things that happened over this last year is just, man, the direction in, uh, uh, that our worship has gone. And I just think our, Patrick and the way he's led our worship team and the, the places that we've gone has just been unbelievable. And man, we have had a great Great year. It's been awesome. But what if there is more? You know, what, what if God has more for us? You know, what if there is more for us to do, more people for us to reach, more places for us to go? Like, like what if there is more? Now, now, you can't force more on God. I think we all probably understand that. Like, I wish I could just, like, twist his arm behind his back sometimes and say, God, this is what I need, and I need it right now. But, but that's not the way God operates. But what we can do is we can, we can pray, and we can prepare, and, and we can expect God to do more. Like, don't you want to see God do more? Like, don't you want to see God do more personally? You know, I know that some of you are here today, and you've, 2018 was not kind to you. I mean, your heart's broken. It was difficult financially, relational conflict and breakage and destruction. Maybe it was something with your health. Man, something didn't go your way, and you, you really need God to show up. Man, and we want to walk alongside you to help make that happen. Man, man, we can't force God, but we want to be there as part of a solution. We want to walk with you, man, help carry you through, help guide you in the way. We believe that God wants more for you and whatever that looks like. Man, man we believe that. But we also believe that God wants more for our church. And here's what the more boils down to. It's more of the mission. It's more of the mission. You know, Jesus said this in Luke 19.10. He said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is Jesus' mission. It is so crystal clear. It's almost like he read, uh, you know, Stephen Covey's habits to, to uh, how to create a mission statement and wrote that. It's so clear. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. There are people who do not know me who need to know me. There are people who are insecure and living in darkness. There are people who are wandering. He said this way, like sheep without a shepherd, and I want to just wrap them up. I came to seek and to save what was lost. This is Jesus' mission. This is why he came. And, so, and if we lose that, we lose everything. If we lose the mission of Jesus, we lose everything. And what can tend to happen in our culture is that you may not know this, but we live in the Bible Belt. Everybody know this? Like we live in the Bible Belt. Some of you are from the north, right, or, or not from the Bible Belt. Maybe you're from Tennessee or somewhere. But you, uh, and you can almost read, but, um, but um, 
So you moved here and you're like, I didn't, I didn't know that was the Bible Belt. Like, I'm, I'm leaving. Hey, well, at, least, at least leave your money, okay? But, um, you know, you didn't know that. But the truth is, even though it's the Bible Belt, it's, it's eroding. Let's be honest, right? We know that the, the state of the church in America isn't at its all-time high. We know that it's eroding. It doesn't mean what it used to. And the truth is we can be lulled into sleep as thinking everybody knows. We can be lulled into sleep as thinking, you know, they, they know who Jesus is. We can be lulled into sleep into thinking that everybody's saved. Now, if they are, then the truth is we should just, we should just go somewhere else. Man, we should just sell the building, give in the land, and just, because there's a lot of people that would want it. Do you know that? <laughs> in this area and where we are. And we could just give it away and help somebody, right? But there's not. Just, just to make it practical for you to understand so many people that don't know, that don't know. Like, think of the people that are moving in here. Have you noticed the construction around this place? Come on, have you noticed the construction? And here's another one that may, may help you. Think about back in December when you had to drive somewhere, right? Think about it. Like you had to go shopping because you got me a gift or um, I'm still waiting for it. Um, <laughs> But or you went to go out to eat or you went to go to work and the traffic was horrendous. Like you couldn't go. Why? Because there were so many cars everywhere. And I want you to, is that in your mind? Now imagine your commute this morning. It was a little different, wasn't it? Not so many people on the road. Not so many people going to church. Not so many people out doing and, and learning about what God can do in their life. Listen, we're on the clock, Stone Creek. We're on the clock. And the mission for us to tell more people, that's the more that God has for us. Like, who is the more for you? Like, you get to the end of 2019, like, who's the more going to be? And so we're just going to unpack this and the more that God wants to do in you, the more that God wants to do through you uh, over the next few weeks. But here is the bottom line today. Man, there is more that God wants to do. There are more people that God wants us to reach. There are more people that need to hear the message. And we need to understand what that is, and we need to lean in. So we're going to look at a passage out of the Bible for that today. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3. would love for you to turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 3. You can always grab a paperback in the back. And you always want to do that because I could put anything on these screens, right? So you want to grab a Bible so you'll know. And um, that's not true. I would never do that. But um, some of you some of you were like, hey, where can I get that leather Bible? I got this one in the lost and found, so maybe there's one for you back there. <laughs> and so you can always grab one. You can grab your app. You can also go to our app. There's a lot of ways. We just want you to read along because it's not just about what happens in this, in this room on Sunday morning. So we're going to be Ephesians chapter 3. Now, a, couple, a little background about Ephesians. Really cool story. So Ephesians is literally a letter. So there was this guy named Paul. <clears throat> Paul's this great missionary. And Paul started churches. And so he wrote this letter to this church in Ephesus, hence Ephesians. Now, he really wrote it to this region of churches. But Ephesus was the primary church. Ephesus, back in Paul's day, right after Jesus died, around 50 A.D., uh, is when he wrote this. Ephesus was one of the great churches in history. Ephesus was responsible for training and sending out church planners to go all throughout the Roman Empire. It was one of the most influential churches that we see in the Bible and literally throughout history. So Paul writes them this letter after he started it and he's gone on to start other churches. He writes them this letter. And as we're getting into the verses for today, well, here's one of the things that we see him say kind of at the, at the end where we get this idea for more. He says in verse 20, he says, now to him, meaning Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. 
all right? The power at work within us, God can do more than we can ask or even think of according to what we have, something that's in here. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, and everybody said amen, right? So this is the, these are the verses that we're going to use, obviously, for the series. Let me back up and talk about how Paul gets into them. Paul begins to talk about something he's discovered. It's called a mystery. And, and here was the mystery. That, that in a certain time, God, God went to the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and he said, you're my people. I want you to go and to be a blessing to the world. Like, I want you to go and to tell people about me. I want you to go and serve people. My hand is on you. You are spe- a special people. Now, what tends to happen when someone thinks that they're special? They think they're better than, don't they? It's kind of the natural tendency is if I'm special, then I'm better than you. So the nation of Israel began to think they were not just special, set apart for a mission. They began to think that they were better than the rest of the world. And so what happened is that God, when God sent Jesus, there was this realization that, that, that God wasn't just for the nation of Israel. You see, the people who were not Jews are called Gentiles, right? So, so in, in, in Bible world, right, there's two categories. There's Jews, non-Jews who were called Gentiles. It's a little like this. There's either Democrats or Republicans is what most people think. And um, even though some of you say I'm an independent, not really. You're one or the other. Like, let's be honest. But that's another story. I'm off topic. So, so we have two categories of Gentiles. Watch what Paul uncovers about Gentiles in verse 6. It says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So what Paul has discovered, what's so important, what he's staking his life on, what we see is the mystery, is that God is a God for everybody. Right? Like God is the God for everybody. And this wasn't the case throughout history. Like there, there's, we always put up dividing lines, and the Jews had done the same thing. Man, and we, it's kind of natural for us to think, oh, sure, God's a God for everybody. But Excuse me. But we do the same thing. We put up dividing lines. Man, we will divide people based on Democrats and Republicans. We will divide people based on belief system. We will divide people based on past behavior. We'll divide people based on their mistakes. Paul says, no, no. God is the God for everybody. And if we don't keep that, if we don't keep that at the forefront of our minds, we'll miss the mission for more. We'll begin to think that this is about us, won't we? We'll begin to think this is about our comfort. It's about our seat. It's about our favorite speaker. It's about our favorite worship, worship song. It's about our parking spot. It's about our. But what Paul is saying is God's a God for everybody. And we got to tell everybody. There are no dividing lines. Like who, who is it that you've written off? Like who is it that maybe has gone too far? Who is it that, man, they do that one thing. It's just your pet peeve. You can't seem to get over. Like who is it maybe that you've written off? Maybe that's the more that God wants you to reach. But there are people just like you that you know. Man, there are people that you go to work with, people who are in your neighborhoods, people in your family. Man, God wants to use you to reach because God is a God of more. Man, God's a God for everybody. God's a God for all people. Race, color, creed, social, economic, stat, everything. God is a God for everybody. I can remember when this mattered to me, a story that happened to uh, Debbie and I. It was years ago. We had first gotten married, and I have no idea why I'm crying, but um, <laughs> that helped me get over it. Thank you. And so um, 
we are, we are just married, just moving to a new house. Uh, obviously, wasn't in ministry, wasn't following Jesus at the time. And so one thing we decided to do is, hey, we're going to go to church because need, we need some friends. Um, and, uh, man, at church, they have to like you. And so, <laughs> so we go to church, and we, we start trying to find a church to go to. And so we go in this one church, and we pull up, and there's not a lot of cars there. And we looked, on, you know, and we knew what time the services started. Nobody was there yet. And that that's just, that's just what happens when you're, a, when you're a new person. Listen, when you're, you go to church for a while, you're never on time, are you? Right? You're always like, la- nobody's laughing at that. I don't understand. <laughs> um, but so we're early, and we walk in the building, <clears throat> and we look across the building, and there's some guys over in the corner, and they look at us, and they look like a deer caught in headlights. Like they are shocked that a new person has showed up to their church. And so we walk over, and they're having this little conversation and I'm like, what did you think? I'm a drug dealer? So I walk over and I stick my head in. I say, hey, you guys want some crack? I got some right here. Um, no, not really. I didn't do that. I said marijuana. But um, so anyway, we tell them who we are, ask them some questions, and, so they're, and ask them where we're supposed to go. And so they point down the hall and says, I think you're down there. You're that second door on the left. And all. So, so we walk down, Debbie and I, we walk down, and we look in the room, and there's nobody in the room. And so Debbie and I, we just... We just walk right out, get in our car, and leave. Now, most people, most people, man, we've just never gone back anywhere. Like, like for some reason, for some reason, Debbie and I continue to pursue what that looked like, and look what they missed out on. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> Jokes. But, but think about it, man. Early 20-something, married couple, just trying to figure out life. Insecure husband, man, financial pressure, trying to move forward in my career. Man, just think about all that was at stake in that one interaction. Man, and, that, and, and they missed it. And listen, I know what you're thinking. What was the church's name? I'm not. North Point. <laughs> Okay, that, this, this is going to be posted. That's completely a joke. <laughs> that would never happen there, except when I went. Um, <laughs> no, kidding. Obviously, all jokes aside, that is a great church. Um, but listen, we gotta, God is a God for everybody. God is a God for everybody. Paul keeps on writing, and he writes in, uh, starting in verse 7. Paul goes on to say that this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles, those who are left out, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the, let's say this word together, church, through the Church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying that God is a God who's for everybody, and God sent the church. God creates the church to tell everybody. This is the mission of the church. It's why we exist. Sometimes we think, hey, where do you go to church? It's a place, 13540 Highway 9 North. Or, hey, what time do you go to church? We go at 11 o'clock. Sometimes we think it's a time. Sometimes we think it's a location. But the truth is a church is a group of people gathered together to tell people about Jesus. This is the mission. This is what we do. This is what makes a church a church. 
You can't have McDonald's without a Big Mac. You can't have Burger King without a Whopper. You can't have church without telling somebody about Jesus. That's the way this goes. Listen, if we ever stop doing that, we're just a club. Man, we're just a club to hang out. Man, we're just a club that's nice where we can make some friends. We're just a club with a cool environment and maybe a cool band and cool opportunities where we can come laugh together. But we miss out on being the church. It's not what we're created to be. We're created to be on mission, to tell people about Jesus. This is what a church does, and this is what we do. This is what you do. Listen, we don't, just go and, we, don't, we don't just go and feed kids. Even though we do that a lot, we don't do that just to feed them. We do that so they can have life. I mean, we don't go and just hand out clothes. We don't go and just help build houses. And we go because we carry something that is life-changing, it's transformational, that without it, people will die. We carry the message of Jesus. This is what makes a church a church. This is what makes us who we are. God created the church so that we could tell everybody. And then Paul, Paul gets a little carried away. He, 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 just, he gets a little carried away. And I'm, a, I'm not going to teach through all this, but I just want to read it. Because you can just feel him getting excited, a little bit like me. Like he just gets pumped. So he starts in verse 14. He says this, For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And here's where he goes. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. I can just see him getting out of breath. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <gasps> now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. <gasps> Amen. He just gets so worked up. He gets so excited. He gets so pumped because he's talking about he knows what's life-changing. And, and, and here's where we get our word for more from. I just want to talk down this. He, he, he uses, in our translation, in English translations, it's three words. So ours is far more abundantly. Now, this is not always important, but for discussion purposes today, the Bible, this part is originally written in Greek. And this was one word in Greek. Most people think that Paul made this word up. He couldn't come up with a word to describe the indescribable. So Paul makes this word up. He, have, you ever, have you ever made up a word? Like we know people that make up words, don't we? Like strategery. Anybody heard of that one? You know, we, we know people that make up words. Now he makes up a word and he takes three words and he mashes them together so that it would communicate what he's trying to communicate. Now the first word is something that means personally. It means personally. So some things are for people in general Paul uses this abundantly word, this more word for us personally. So, for instance, you personally have experience. You personally have giftedness. You personally have talent. You personally have opportunity. You personally have availability to tell someone about the mystery of Christ, that he came for everybody. Like, personally. When it's personal, it's important. It's a little like this. So, so, so um, over Christmas... <clears throat> You know, all my kids were home, and, you know, we had Christmas gifts. And so one of the things that we told our kids was because they're old enough to be broke, um, we told them, go to Goodwill and buy gifts. So a couple of them did, and so one of them comes home with a box full of gifts and says, hey, who wants this one and who wants this one, right? Great, but not necessarily personal, but awesome. And because I'm so giving, I never picked the one I wanted. But, but another one comes home and he's got, he's got oops, I kind of gave it away. He's got um, 
coffee mugs for everybody in the family, right? And so the idea was you pull a coffee mug out of the bag, and by what's on the coffee mug, you'll know who gets it because it's personal. So one of them we pull out, and it's just this random cup. And we all know that's for my son Ethan because my son Ethan is random. <laughs> but then we pull one out, and it's a Polar Express coffee mug. And as you know, it's my favorite Christmas movie. So I got the mug, and I, what did I do? The first gift of Christmas! <laughs> Personal. See, what Paul wants to communicate to you, and you, and all of us, is that uniquely, individually, personally, he has more marked out for you. Doesn't matter mistakes that you've made, doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter your hang-ups, doesn't matter the cloud that seems to cover you, doesn't matter where you felt like you've gone off the rails. Personally, Paul communicates. That's the, that's the first word. Second word is that it's outcome-oriented. Because something can be personal and it stays here. Paul communicates this idea of being outcome-oriented. Like something's going to come out of you and impact and influence somebody else. It's not just going to be a thought like a New Year's resolution. It's going to be something that happens. Now, I want to tell a story that I think is going to communicate this. Now, it's, it's kind of from the negative side, and it's gross. But you're going to laugh, and you're going to think it's funny, and you're going to remember that there's something in you that needs to get on somebody else. So back in, when we were first starting Stone Creek, we would go to lunch at places that had Kids Eat Free. Anybody still go to Kids Eat Free? Anybody? I tried yesterday, but they asked to see my driver's license. It was too late. So we would take our kids, and we had four. My other friend had three. and So we, we're, we're like a posse coming in. We're, we're the group of people that people look at like, why are you bringing all these kids out? Why don't you all go home and eat? Like that's the kind of people we were. It was rowdy. So we go to this place called Jason's Deli because back in the day they had kids eat free, and they had free ice cream. Come on. And so carb loading all over again. And so we go to to Jason's Deli and we're walking in and it's packed you know because this kids eat free and so we're kind of we make our way into the middle and we're pulling chairs and tables and it's a it's just a scene right it's just it's terrible and so my friend's holding his four-year-old little daughter and so he's walking I'm staying right behind him and so he's walking through and all of a sudden she throws up all over him in his face got in his mouth See, sometimes something in you needs to get on somebody else. <laughs> and I know that's a little gross, but it's definitely a way to remember. Listen, God wants to orchestrate our lives. He wants to orchestrate our experiences, our relationships, our schedules, our, our bank accounts to, to impact and influence other people. So Paul says it's personal, right? It's outcome-oriented. And then the last one is just beyond expectations, like he just, Paul was like super, mostly, greater, mega, abundantly is what Paul's trying to communicate. Like over the top influence. Like he, he, he just wants to talk about exceeding expectations. Have you ever had something that exceeded your expectations? Like so many times we go and, and, and things are underwhelming. We'll go to a movie. That was underwhelming. You know, how many of you are married and it exceeded your expectations? <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> You know, sometimes we don't get to experience that. But Paul wants to say it's beyond what you could ask for. It's beyond what you think. He's trying to describe the indescribable. Like, why does Paul make up this word? 
Because the truth is, I think that he just wants to express his confidence that God can do more. Man, Paul has experienced it. He's seen it in his own life. He's seen it in the life of this church he's writing a letter to. And he wants to say, don't stop. Like, there's more. Don't get complacent. Don't sit back and rest on your laurels. He wants to say there's more. And I think most of us, for those of us who have followed Jesus for a little while, and we, have, we know a little bit of the story, and many of us don't, and it's awesome. We're glad you're here. Hopefully um, there's been something here that was um, appealing and not the story that I just told. But, um, man, I, I think we believe that God can do some things. Like, you guys believe God can reach your school. He believe, you believe that God can move through Cambridge and West Forsyth and the other schools that you go, Milton, wherever you go to school. Like, you guys believe that, man, God could move through your apartment complex and do something crazy. Like, you believe God could do something in your neighborhood. You believe God, he could do something, man, in the life of someone you know whose life is a wreck. You, you believe he can rescue that person. Man, you believe that God can work through uh, people that you know and through your place of work. Like, you believe that. But where we have trouble believing is that God would use us to make that happen. We believe God can do more, but sometimes we struggle believing God would use us to make that happen. And what Paul is saying today, man, God wants to use you individually, but us collectively to do far more abundantly than anything we could ask or think. You know, next Monday is... Uh, we're going to gather together right here, and uh, we're just going to celebrate some things that God has done. And one of the things that God has done that we're going to get to celebrate next Monday on the 14th is that uh, we have, we've written some worship songs that God has birthed in the life of our church through our experience and through our um, times together. And so we'll be releasing those uh, next Monday. So we'll, we'll come together so we can hear from the, about those. But also, just, we, we want to just gather together to begin to pray for the more that God has for us. Man, we believe that God's got more for us when it comes to church planting. We believe that God's got more for us when it comes to campus expansion. We believe God's got more for us when it comes to multiplication. And so we're just going to be challenged next Monday to come together and pray and to begin to fast. Now, some of you may be new to following Jesus and um, when you hear fast, you're like, what, are we going jogging? Like, what do you mean fast? I don't understand that. Um, the service will be fast. Uh, but fasting is when you, when you withdraw from something for just a small period of time to focus your attention on God. So, for instance, let's say you fasted from one meal, maybe lunch. During that meal, you'd be hungry, and it would cause you to turn your attention towards God and just pray. And we're just going to fast and pray and just ask God to do more. Man, we've got some ideas about directions and some things that are very exciting that we're really pumped and excited about. But more than our plans, man, we just want to be sure that we get more of God. And the way that we do that is to get more of the mission, more of the mission of telling people about God. Now, now <clears throat> later in the Bible, we see the church of Ephesus emerge again. In, the, in one of the last places in the Bible, there's a letter written to seven churches and one of those churches is Ephesus. And this is part of what the letter written to Ephesus by God. These are God's words to the church at Ephesus. Remember, this church that was the white hot center for planting churches throughout the Roman Empire. This church that Paul wrote to that God wants to do more through you. This is the letter that was written. It says, I have this against you. 
you have abandoned the love you had at first. You abandoned the love you had at first. You abandoned the love you had at first. Let that never be said in a letter that's written about us. Because there will be a letter. There's a letter being written right now. And in generations to come, when we're older and not around, they'll close the chapter. And that letter will be read. And what it will say is that church gave their best. That church went wherever God told them to go. That church lived with faith, and they fell. But, man, they followed God with a passion that made a difference in my life. Imagine the families that will be impacted in generations to come because of our faithfulness, just to believe that God could do more. Imagine the neighbors in our community they will have someone to wrap them up when they go through a difficulty or a tragedy. Imagine the marriages and that God will reach into when we embrace the more that God has for us. You know, there's a, there's a fable I read every couple of years just to help remind us about who we are and what we do. In our closing minutes today, I just, I just want to read it. And just put yourself in this story. Put Stone Creek in this story. This is on a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur. You ever known anybody who was shipwrecked? You ever known anybody gone through a difficult time or tragedy? Maybe some of you today. Man, we've all at least known somebody who's been shipwrecked. I want you to put their mind right here. I want you to think. I want you to think about who that is. Maybe it's you. This is on a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur. It was a crude little life-saving station. The building was no more than a hut. And there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea. With no thought for themselves, they went out day and night tirelessly searching for the lost. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding area, they wanted to be associated with the station. They wanted to give their time, their money, and effort to support the work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained this little life-saving station began to grow. Some of these new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt that a much more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those who were saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds, and they put better furniture in the enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members. They decorated it beautifully and they furnished it exquisitely because they used it as sort of a club. Fewer members were now interested in going out to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do the work. The life-saving motif still prevailed in this club's decoration, and there was a memorial lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and some of them were foreigners. The beautiful new club was in chaos, and immediately the property committee hired someone to rig up a shower house outside the club where the victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities because they felt they were unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. A small number of members insisted 
upon life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. The small group's members were voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. And they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old station. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself. And if you visit that seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most passengers drown. Let that never be said of Stone Creek. I believe if Paul were here and he were to look out over the audience, he would look out and see and the CFOs and the CEOs, the retired military veterans, and he would see the teachers. He would see people who've struggled with addiction and divorce and unfaithfulness. He would see people who were living as successful and see people who were living as struggling. And he would say this, it's far more than you can ask or imagine that God has for you. Let's believe that together, Stone Creek. Let's pray. So God, we're just, uh, man, a group of folks who want to see what we can do. God, we just want to see the world change. We want to see the world different. Lord, I just am grateful uh, for the opportunities you've given us over 2018, just to lay a foundation for what you want to do in our future. And God, today I want to pray for those who come, and man, they are the mission today. They realize today that they're hurting and struggling, that they're challenged, and that they need some hope. And God, I pray that today, even though we've talked about our mission, God, they would realize that your mission was for them, that you came for the heal, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. God, that we'd be released from guilt and shame and insecurity that we would no longer stand feeling like we're beggars, but know that we're adopted into the family. Man, that we're not outcasts like the Gentiles were treated, but like we're in, we have a place, God, that we're loved desperately, God. I just pray that you would breathe that into people's hearts this morning. And God, they'd walk out of here being different. And Lord, in knowing that what I just talked about is true for them today, God. And Lord, we just ask you for our church. We ask you to do far more than we could ask or imagine. God, I know that, man, I'm just so unworthy uh, to be a part of what you're doing here. And I'm grateful. I say thank you. And we just look to 2019 expectantly. God, help us not to pray wimpy prayers. God, help us not to just say, bless my day and move on. But God, that we would truly lean into uh, the, the more that you want to do for us. God, make this real for us today. And we pray according to the character and identity of our King and our Savior, Jesus. Amen.